Chapter 9 of Prince Henry, the Navigator, the Hero of Portugal and of Modern Discovery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Prince Henry, the Navigator by Charles Raymond Beasley. Chapter 9 Henry's Settlements at Sagres and First Discoveries, 1418 1428. Whatever the prince owed to his stay at Ceuta, beyond the general suggestion and encouragement to take up a life profession of discovery, it was, at any rate, put into practice on his second and last return, 1418. From that time to the end of his life, he became a recluse from the court life of Lisbon, though he soon gathered round himself a rival court of science and seamanship. The old sacred cape of the Romans, then called Sagres, now the Cape St. Vincent of Nelson and modern maps, was his chosen home for the next forty years, though he seems to have passed a good deal of his time in his sport of Lagos close by. In 1419, King John made him governor for life of the Algarves, the southern province of Portugal, and the new governor at once began to rebuild and enlarge the old naval arsenal in the neck of the cape into a settlement that soon became the prince's town in lagos his ships were built and manned and there and in sagres itself all the schemes of discovery were thought out the maps and instruments corrected and the accounts of past and present travellers compared by the prince himself his results then passed into the instructions of his captains and the equipment of his caravels. The sacred cape, which he now colonized, was at any rate a good centre for his work of ocean voyaging. Here, with the Atlantic washing the land on three sides, he was well on the scene of action. There were buildings on Sagres headland as old as the eleventh century. Greek geography had made this the starting point of its shorter and continental measurements for the length of the habitable world and the genoese whose policy was to buy up points of vantage on every coast were eager to plant a colony there but portugal was not ready to become like the byzantine empire a depot for italian commerce and henry had his own reasons for securing a desolate promontory on this he now built himself a palace, a chapel, a study, an observatory, the earliest in Portugal, and a village for his helpers and attendants. In his wish to gain a prosperous result for his efforts, the prince devoted great industry and thought to the matter, and at great expense procured the aid of one Master Jacomi from Majorca, a man skilled in the art of navigation and in the making of maps and instruments and who was sent for with certain of the arab and jewish mathematicians to instruct the portuguese in that science so at least says de Barros, the livy of portugal at sagres was thus founded anew the systematic study of applied science in christendom it was better than the work of the old greek university at alexandria with which it has been compared because it was essentially practical from it 
our sailors says pedro nunes went out well taught and provided with instruments and rules which all map-makers should know we would gladly know more of henry's scientific work a good many legends have grown up about it and even his foundation of the chair of mathematics in the university of lisbon or coimbra our best evidence of the unrecorded work of his school has been doubted by some modern critics even by the national historian alexandre Colano. but to prince henry's study in science two great improvements on this side may be traced first in the art of map-making secondly in the building of caravels and ocean craft the great venetian map of fra mauro of the camaldolese convent of murano finished in fourteen fifty nine one year before the navigator's death is evidence for the one cadamosto's words as a practical seaman of italian birth in henry's service that the caravels of portugal were the best sailing ships afloat may be proved sufficient of the other on both these lines henry took up the results of italians and worked towards success with their aid as columbus and the cabots and verrazzano in later times represented the intellectual leadership of italy to other nations spanish england and france but had to find their career and resources not in their own commercial republics but at the courts of the new centralized kingdoms of the west where a paternal despotism gave the best hope of guiding any popular movement social or religious or political or scientific so in the earlier fifteenth century mariners like cadamosto and denoli scientific draughtsmen like fra mauro and andrea bianco looked from venice and genoa to the court of sagris and to the service of prince henry as their proper sphere where they would find the encouragement and reward they sought for at home and often sought in vain henry's settlement of cape st vincent was not long without results the voyage of his captain john de trasto to the fruitful district of grand canary in fourteen fifteen was not in any sense a discovery as the conquest of john de betancourt in fourteen o two had made these fortunate islands perfectly well known but the finding of porto santo and madeira in fourteen eighteen fourteen twenty was a real gain for the matching story of the english landing in madeira was a close secret which by good fortune passed into the prince's keeping but not beyond so that as far as general knowledge went the portuguese were now fairly embarked upon the sea of darkness first came the sighting of the holy haven in fourteen eighteen in this year says azurada two squires of the prince's household named john gonçalves zarco and tristão vaes eager for renown and anxious to serve their lord had set out to explore as far as the coast of guinea but they were caught by a storm near lagos and driven to the island of porto santo this name they gave themselves at this very time in their joy at thus escaping the perils of the tempest zarco and vaes returned in triumph to sagres and reported the new-found island to be well worth a permanent settlement henry always generous took up the idea with great interest and sent out zarco and vaes with another of his equerries one bartholomew perestrello to colonize with two ships and products for a new country 
corn, honey, the sugar cane from Sicily, the Malvasy grape from Crete, even the rabbit from Portugal. On his first return voyage, Zarco had captured the pilot Morales of Seville, and from him the prince had gained certain news of the English landing in Madeira. So it was with a definite purpose of further discovery that his captains returned to Porto Santo in fourteen twenty with Morales as their guide. Now, as before, Zarco appears as chief in command. He had won himself a name at Ceuta, and if the tradition be true, had just brought in the first use of ship artillery. The finding of Porto Santo was mainly credited to him. Sailing from Lagos in June 1420, he had no sooner reached once again the fair haven of his first success than he was called to note a dark line, like a mark of distant land, upon the southwest horizon. The colonists he had left on his earlier visit had watched this day by day, till they had made certain of its being something more than a passing appearance of sea or sky, and Morales was ready with his suggestion that this was Machin's island. The fog that hung over this part of the ocean would be natural to a thick and dank woodland like that on the island of his old adventure. Zarco resolved to try. After eight days' rest in Porto Santo, he set sail, and, observing that the fog grew less toward the east of the cloud-bank, made for that point, and came upon a low marshy cape which he called St. Lawrence Head. Then, creeping round the south coast, he came to the highlands and the forests of Madeira, so named here now, either as Jibarro says, from the thick woods they found there, or in the form of Machico, from the first discoverer, luckless Robert Machin. For, on landing the Portuguese, guided by Morales, soon found the wooden cross and grave of the Englishman and his mistress, and it was there that Zarco, with no human being to dispute his title, took season of the island in the name of King John, Prince Henry, and the Order of Christ. Embarking once more, he then coasted slowly round from the river of the Flint to Jackdaw Point, and the chamber of the wolves, where his men started a herd of sea-calves. So he came to the vast plain, overgrown with fennel or funchal, where the chief town of after days grew up. A party sent inland to explore reported that on every side the ocean could be seen from the hills, and Zarco, after taking in some specimens of the native wood and plants and birds at Funchal, put back in the last days of August to Portugal. He was splendidly received at court, made a count, count of the chamber of the wolves, and granted the command of the island for his own life. A little later, the commandership was made hereditary in his family. Tristan Weiss, the second in the prince's commission, was rewarded too. The northern half of Madeira was given him as a captaincy, and in 1425 Henry began to colonize in form. Zarco, as early as May 1421, had returned with wife and children and attendants, and begun to build the port of Machico and the city of Funchal. But this did not become a state affair until four years more had gone by. But from the first, the island, 
by its export of wood and dragon's blood and wheat, became to reward the trouble of discovery and settlement. Sugar and wine were brought to perfection in later years, after the great seven years' fire had burned down the forests and enriched the soil of Madeira. It was soon after Zarco's return to Funchal that he first set fire to the woods behind the fennel fields of the coast, to clear himself away through the undergrowth into the heart of the island. The fire blazed and smoldered till it had taken well hold of the entire mass of timber that covered the upper country. Nothing in the feeble resources of the first settlers could stop it, and Madeira lighted the ships of Henry on their way to the south, like a volcano, till 1428. This was at least the common story as told in Portugal, and it was often joined with another, of the rabbit plague, which ate up all the green stuff of the island in the first struggling years of Zarco's settlement, and so prevented the export of anything but timber. So much of this was brought into Portugal that Henry's lifetime is a landmark in the domestic architecture of Spain, and from the trade of the wood island is derived the lofty style of building that now began to replace the more modest fashion of the Arabs. A charter of Henry's, dated 1430, ten years after the rediscovery of Madeira, and reciting the names of some of the first settlers in his bequest of the island, or rather of its spiritualities, to the Order of Christ on September 18, 1460, just before his death, are the chief links between this colony and the home country in the next generation. But in the history of institutions, there are few more curious facts than the insistence of the prince on a census for his little nation. From the first, the family registers of the colonists were carefully kept, and from these we see something of the wonder of men who were beginning human life, as it were, in a new land. The first children born in Madeira, a son and daughter of Irish Ferreira, one of Zarco's comrades, were christened Adam and Eve. End of chapter 9